Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Get ready, Vikings Nation. Welcome to Purple and Gold for Days. Where my friend and yours, Mr. Justin Day, dives headfirst into the purple and gold universe. Delivering the latest updates and commentary on your favorite team, the Minnesota Vikings. You're listening to Purple and Gold for Days, a Vikings First and Skull production. What is going on, everybody? It is great to have you with me. In this episode of Purple and Gold for Days, I recap this past weekend's activities around the NFC North, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the Vikings lost to the Cincinnati Bengals 27-24, as well as look forward to what we still have to play for. And yes, we still have a lot to play for. But before we get to that, if you don't already subscribe to me on Purple and Gold for Days on YouTube, please hit me up with a sub there, as well as the Vikings First in School YouTube feed, where we have all kinds of live programming all throughout the week and help us grow this Vikings community. So we're going to start with the NFC North Roundup. The Detroit Lions absolutely mollywopped the Denver Broncos. They did what you're supposed to do. Score, score, and score more. Seriously, 42 points. When is the last time the Vikings scored 40? Was it that San Diego or Los Angeles? I think it was still San Diego at the time. Was it 2018 or 19? Is that the last time we scored a 40-burger? Anyway, Detroit Lions, we got our hands full next week. We got our hands full in any of this hoping that we could win our last three games and hope Detroit loses to the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, it's going to be a tough game for the Lions against the Cowboys, but boy, oh boy, defense better figure something out. 
and so should the offense. The, the Chicago Bears, who cares? <laughs> They're all but done. They had a Hail Mary attempt on the last play of the game in the guy's hands, and he drops it. Bear down, Chicago Bears. You're garbage. And, oh, by the way, who am I forgetting? Oh, I'm not forgetting. The Green Bay Packers lose at home to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Green Bay Packers, you're all but done. They've got to win all three games to get into the playoffs, and they're not going to because we got a date with them on New Year's Eve, and we know they're not going to win all three. But uh, that Packers defense, just when you thought they were good. (laughs) They're not. They're terrible. And, in fact, anytime I talk about the Packers losing, we always have a little something for them. Little Caesar Romero, as always, because Packers losing at home again by two touchdowns. <laughs> oh, how delicious it is. Indeed, Caesar, it is very delicious. So, like I said, the Bears are pretty much done. The Packers, they still have a shot, but they're pretty much done. So, again, it's just us and the Lions. Now, as much as I don't want to see the Lions win the division, because what does that really say about you? Better than it be the Packers. Better at being them. So. We'll we'll sort of take it. If not us, then them. Next, it's time to break down what actually went right offensively for the Vikings. Ty Chandler, Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, and TJ Hawkinson. They all showed out. They did their job. And here we'll talk about the outstanding performance and ultimately what we hope is going to happen moving forward. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Let's talk some positivity before we get into this tried and true, all this talk about KOC. The skill position players yesterday absolutely excuse me saturday absolutely showed out and let's give some props number one ty chandler 23 carries for 123 uh, 132 yards (laughs) why did we wait this long now i get it kevin o'connell his press conferences were saying well you know if we had put ty chandler in right at the beginning of the season he wouldn't have done as well as he did because he's been progressing and he's been learning i buy that to a point that yes he needed to get you know lathered up a little bit but shouldn't have waited until this long. Shouldn't have waited this long. And I get it. Kevin O'Connell was forced to do it because Alexander Madison was out. Okay. I'm not sure, Kevin. Maybe, maybe just get this guy a few more touches. And again, in his press conference today, he's talking about, yeah, Alexander Madison, he might very well easily be back, and we're going to have to figure out how to integrate these guys. And we still want to see Ty Chandler, you know, be active. No, stop. It's real simple. Ty Chandler is the starting running back, and he should get the bulk of the carries. You want to give Alexander Madison 8 to 12 touches, whether they be rushes or a couple of passes, that's fine. But there should be no 50-50 business. There should be no Alexander Madison's going to get his job back as the starter. No, I'm not listening to that. And I get it. Cincinnati is just an okay run defense. And here's what I'm going to say. When the Vikings were running the ball and giving the ball to Ty Chandler, they were successful. When Kevin O'Connell decided, hey, no, I'm going to be pass happy. A few three and outs here and there. Offense didn't run as smoothly. Only giving the guy the ball one time in your overtime possession after 100 some yards. Really? Help me understand that, ladies and gentlemen. Help me understand what in the world he was thinking. But having said that, the the, the catchers, uh, the receivers and uh, TJ Hawkinson, six catches for Addison, six catches for Hawkinson. Jefferson was seven. Jordan Addison. You know, people are saying, oh, has he hit the rookie wall? Oh, he hasn't scored a touchdown since uh, Kirk Cousins uh, got injured. Yeah. Okay. You lost Justin Jefferson as running mate, and then you lost Kirk Cousins. And all of a sudden, we're surprised that teams are throwing a lot of their coverage towards Jordan Addison. Well, guess what? Now that you have Justin Jefferson back, and Justin Jefferson, like I said, seven catches, 84 yards, a rather pedestrian day by his standards, but it was enough to say, all right, 
Jordan Addison, welcome back. We talked about Jordan Addison, excuse me, we talked about Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase being the premier matchup, the two old wide receivers from uh, LSU won a national championship together. The story of the game was T. Higgins and Jordan Addison, if we're being honest with you. I'm not saying that Jefferson and uh, Jamar Chase didn't do anything, but it was actually the secondary uh, wide receivers yesterday. So can't really complain all that much when it comes to the skill position players. They did their part. They did their part. Jordan Addison with that shoestring catch right off the ground as Nick Mullins is falling back as we're like, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, whoa, go. And he, there was nobody around Jordan Addison after he beat the guy uh, who dove for the ball. Nobody around him. So shout out to Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson, Justin Jefferson, and, of course, the aforementioned Ty Chandler. You guys absolutely did your jobs on Saturday. The rest, we'll talk about them here shortly. All righty, a mixed bag from one Nick Mullins. On one hand, I want to say Nick Mullins played pretty well outside of two turnovers. Well, if you say if you have to say outside of two turnovers, then did you really play well? Mm, maybe, maybe not. Of course, you get the victory, then it all becomes irrelevant, but they didn't. Nick Mullins, 26, 33 for 303 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Here's the thing. Nick Mullins did what you should expect out of Nick Mullins. He's a backup quarterback who into this game started 17 games and had a record of five and 12 in those games, had 27 touchdowns and 23 interceptions. So it's really no surprise that he threw two and two in this game against the Cincinnati Bengals. The offense looked massively better than it did with Josh Dobbs. Massively. Again, just talked about all the pass catchers. Again, you have 20 catches between those three guys, Addison, Hawkinson and Jefferson can't really say much else, but those turnovers were killer. We talked about Josh Dobbs and now, well, you know, if he could just cut down his turnovers, this entire team, this entire season, what have we been saying? Oh, just don't turn the ball over and we win. Well, they turned the ball over twice. Yeah, they did get one interception themselves, but you still lost the turnover battle. So are we really surprised at the results of this game? We keep games close. And again, I'll get to, the real part of that when I talk about Kevin O'Connell here later, but Nick Mullins has already been announced to be the starting quarterback this Sunday against the Detroit Lions. No real surprise there. I still would rather have home, but I'm going to have to give up the ghost at this point because even if the Vikings lose to the Detroit Lions, they're not technically eliminated. So again, they'll go with Nick Mullins into the Green Bay game. And if they win the Green Bay game, then they just need to beat Detroit. And maybe Detroit's not playing for anything at that point. And maybe you squeak out a victory into the playoffs. But my overarching point is this. Nick Mullins did what he was supposed to do. It's unfortunate that he has two absolutely stupidly awful interceptions. The first one, some say maybe J.J. cut the route the wrong way. Either way, throw it out the back of the end zone. Now, if it was an anticipatory throw where he's expecting Justin Jefferson to be somewhere and something gets messed up in the interim, Okay, it just kind of is what it is. But how many times have we turned the ball over on the goal line this season? About five by my count. TJ Hawkinson, KJ Osborne, Justin Jefferson, Justin Jefferson yesterday. That's four. I think there was one more. But either way, it's one thing to turn the ball over. It's another thing to turn over the ball at the goal line. At the goal line. Seriously. We are the kings of self-inflicted wounds. Now, granted, I don't watch all the other teams. I barely watch anybody else outside of our division, unless it's on primetime. Got nothing better to do. But simply saying this, can we stop beating ourselves? If you lose to a team that is superior to you, it just is what it is. But even without our starting quarterback and Kirk Cousins and having Justin Jefferson miss pert near half the season, 
We're seven and seven and could easily be 10 and two easily. If you just don't shoot yourself in the foot, (sighs) Nick Mullins, try not to turn the ball over the second interception. What in the heck are you thinking? You're going down. Even if you didn't throw it directly to a defensive tackle. Oh, uh, it was a fumble. No, it never hit the ground. It was an interception. Just take the loss. Take the L on that play. You're, there's nothing good that can come out of that because guess what? Even if it didn't, you would have had an intentional grounding and lost a couple more yards. When it's third down and you're on your way down there and you're in the red zone and you're close enough, you're in scoring position, just take the sack. What was that? That was Tavares Jackson level stupid. That was Christian Ponder level stupid. So on one hand, I'm trying to give Nick Mullins the praise he deserves for having a 300-plus yard game, two touchdowns, and actually making the offense look competent, which it hadn't looked for a couple of weeks with Josh Dobbs. But again, butterfly effect. We can't just say, well, if we don't turn the ball over and even if we get just two field goals there, we win that game. Well, not necessarily. You got to remember that Cincinnati would have played it different had we had more points on the board. And maybe we win, maybe we don't still. Maybe it still does go to overtime. But Nick Mullins, you are a seasoned veteran. You are not a rookie. You should know. Protect points. Yeah, if it's second down and you can get away from them, fine. But either way, you're three quarters of the way on your rear end and you're just going to throw the ball into your opponent's hands? Seriously? We say whatever we want about Kevin O'Connell. As I said, I got a a whole lot to say about that. But you can't blame Kevin O'Connell for those interceptions. And that's six points minimum, maybe even 14. Well, no, one was on third down. So somewhere between six and 10 points that you left on the table. That's on the players on that in those instances. That's on the players. Nick Mullins, please do what you do. You're a backup quarterback. Nobody expects you to be Kirk Cousins. Nobody expects you to be Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts or anybody else that's a top 10 quarterback. We just need you to do what you can. No more, no less. Yes, we'll talk about the defense shortly. If you had told me going into this game we would have scored 24 points, I would have said it was about a 90% chance we win with how well our defense was playing. And I got some for them in a moment too. But for right now anyway, Nick Mullins, mixed bag. Mixed bag. So many good things. It's like any other experience in life. You know, if you have one bad experience with your cell phone carrier, it takes 10 good experiences to kind of even it out. And if you have 10 good experiences, it only takes one bad one to even it out. Yeah, Nick, you you did a lot of good things yesterday. Don't get me wrong, but two critical errors. Can't afford it. And as I said, Detroit's magic number is now one for the division. The Vikings need to win two out of their last three to shore up a playoff spot three out of three would absolutely guarantee it but boy oh boy we have no margin for error no more margin for error when you'd kick away tampa bay the chargers the bears the broncos and yesterday you got no margin for error now so we'll see we'll talk a little bit more in the playoff roundup at the end but come on nick we got to be better than that we can't have dumb turnovers. If you get blindsided because your offensive line lets you down, okay, that that's one thing. But come on, dude, throwing an interception on your way down into a defensive tackle's chest. What in the world are you thinking? While it was real easy to blame a lot of this loss on Coach Kevin O'Connell, we have to talk about the defense. They played great for three quarters, and then they were an absolute disaster in the fourth. Talk a little bit here about what we need to do to move forward and to be better and not let 
the same mistakes happen again. All right. So as much as people want to talk about KOC, we got to talk about this disastrous fourth quarter and overtime defense. This defense had played so well for the last few weeks. What was it, 14 straight quarters or something without giving up a touchdown? Now, I said at the time, mind you, playing the Bears, playing the Raiders, playing the Broncos. Broncos, eh, they're okay. And then they got mollywopped on Saturday too. But what I said at the time was, yes, you go into any other team's building and shut them out, praise to you. But it was the Vegas Raiders. They're terrible. And yeah, the next week they come out and put up 63 points, (laughs) 63. But anyway, let's keep in mind who our defense has been playing. I'm not taking anything away from them. I'm just calling it as I see it. But yesterday, and I will say the offense should have done more at the time to make a bigger lead so that you didn't have to think about this. Having said that, yes, it's Jamar Chase. It's T Higgins. It's Tyler Boyd and company and Joe Mixon. But touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Like, seriously? Come on, guys. Get one stop. Makai Blackman, you gave up on the play. That's not Brian Flores' fault, and it's certainly not Kevin O'Connell's fault that Makai Blackman is just standing there looking like his guy had already intercepted the pass. If he had gone over there and kept playing, maybe Tiggy Higgins doesn't have the ability to wrap the ball over the goal line plane and call it a touchdown. Now, would the Bengals have scored in there invariably on the next couple of plays? Maybe. Maybe not. The Vikings have stopped a team first and goal from the one on occasion. So it's no guarantee. Now, it might not have made a hill beans worth the difference. But honestly, as I said, the Minnesota Vikings defensive backs need to have one of the quarterbacks just go out after practice and play 500. So that when they see lollipops in the air, they figure out a way to learn how to knock the ball down. Or here's another thing to uh, Evans in this particular instance, particular instance. If you have a wide receiver, and this is only the fifth time this season I've said it, who is in the back of the end zone or on the sidelines, let him go catch the ball and then just knock him out of bounds. There is no push out rule anymore. If a guy either lands in bounds or he doesn't. So if you are incapable of coming up with a knockdown or heaven forbid an interception, because you're, Timing is off on your jump. You lost sight of the ball. You lose sight of the ball. Fine. Find the receiver. Let him catch it in the air and knock him out. That's an incomplete pass. That is an incomplete pass. Why these defensive backs have still not figured out how to play jump balls is beyond me. I get it. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, they're tall wide receivers. Moss and Carter and Jake Reed, who are all six foot three, six foot four. I get it. We used to have wide receivers like that, that got high point balls and out physical you and all those other good things. Absolutely. But seriously, you have an advantage now. As I said, use the sideline to your advantage. Let them catch. Don't hit them while the ball's in the air before they you know, go up for the ball. But as soon as that ball is within a foot of their hands, knock them out of bounds. And if you're not capable of doing that, then learn how to play the ball better in the air. Brian Flores, we've given you all the flowers in the world, and you've deserved them because this defense has carried this offense for the last month, shutting out the Vegas Raiders because you could only score three points. That victory is all on the defense. Yeah, some people say, well, you know, they gave up the lead against Denver. Yeah, but again, how many turnovers did we have? And should the Vikings offense have had more points on the board to not put you in that position? And were you only really in position to possibly steal that game because the defense kept you in it? Yes, 
Absolutely. I'll say that. But not a good look. If you gave up 14 points in the fourth quarter, because mind you, the first one came right at the start of the fourth quarter where they had pretty much done the damage towards the end of the third quarter. But it is what it is. Okay, you give up one. Okay, that's going to happen. You weren't going to have this ridiculous no touchdown streak last for forever. This ain't the 85 Bears and 2000 Ravens. But stop the bleeding at some point. Stop the bleeding. Yeah, you're up 17 to three. There's no reason a two touchdown lead against another backup quarterback. We can talk about the symmetry of this team offensively. Chase, Higgins, Boyd, Jefferson, Addison, Hawkinson. Yeah, they're pretty comparable. And I said going into the game, you give a slight edge to Joe Mixon. Well, Ty Chandler said, hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> You're not going to sell me short like that. So all four of those positions, relatively equal. And guess what? Both teams had backup quarterbacks in there. Both teams did. You let Jake Browning. Uh, Jake Browning is mediocre. He's not all that good. He couldn't beat out Kellen Mann or Sean Mannion or whoever else the other guy was that we had at the time. And you let him get 21 points in the fourth quarter. Come on, y'all. I don't want to give too much. I don't want to heap too much blame on Brian Flores, but I can't let him off the hook either. I mean, again, I'll give him somewhat of a, hey, all right, you had a bad quarter, and you've been keeping us in games anyway, but my goodness, against a backup quarterback, you just completely fold like a cheap suit. You fall apart like a cheap suit and fold like a cheap lawn chair. It's so bad. I get it. Your offense did enough if you take away the turnovers. But again, we can't keep saying they did enough if you take away the turnovers. At some point, that is who you are. And you're not going to be able to get away with that against the Detroit Lions. Boy, oh boy, their offense, when their offense is on, they can play with anybody. They could play with San Francisco if their offense is on. If their offensive line is giving Jared Goff that much time, kind of sounds like somebody else we know, like Kirk Cousins. I'm not saying Goff is better than Cousins. I'm saying they're very, very similar. You give them time, they can pick you apart. And they got weapons. So defensively, come next Sunday, you're going to have to bring all the equipment. Just try to keep these guys under 30 points. In offense, you're going to have to hold up your end of the bargain. We got any chance of getting into these playoffs, whether it's the division or not. I mean, again, if I had to make a prediction right now, I say we beat Green Bay for sure, and we hope to get one against Detroit. I think the the odds of us winning all three of these games is pretty, pretty low. Not impossible. So I'm not saying all hope is lost, but what I am saying is you got to tighten up that. Get yourself some wrenches and tighten it up. And if you give up some scores in the middle of the game, okay, that's life in the big city in the NFL. You're not going to shut out people. I'm not saying how in the world did they let, let them in the end zone. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. But for anybody that wants to throw all of this on KLC, we got to throw some darts at Brian Flores too. This ridiculous notion of, Oh, Brian Flores should immediately report. Okay, we'll get to that here in the next segment. But, you know, let's solo our role on uh, firing KOC and putting Brian Flores as the head coach because Brian Flores didn't do any better yesterday either. <laughs> not in the fourth quarter. Not in crunch time. Not in crunch time. So hopefully he'll be able to look at the tape and say, all right, this is what we need to improve on. Yeah, you got a couple of sacks. You got four sacks. That's good. But in crunch time, where were you guys? And by the way, almost forgot, how many third and 20-plus conversions did we give up? Three? You got them into third and 21, and you give up the conversion. Multiple times. So, yeah, this isn't just on the offense. This isn't just on Nick Mullins, and this isn't just on KOC. 
we got to throw a little shade to the defense as well. The penultimate segment is all about Kevin O'Connell. And let me be clear. I like to think I was fair and rational. I did point out some of the good things that Kevin O'Connell did this past week, as well as what Kevin O'Connell has done in his almost two-year tenure with the Vikings. But at the same time, I calls it as I see it. The moment y'all been waiting for. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Kevin O'Connell. What is really fair? On one hand, when I came out on Vikings First and Skull for the post game show live at the two minute warning, I came out hot on Kevin O'Connell. Now, let me be clear right off the jump here. Kevin O'Connell, the notion that he should be fired is beyond preposterous. So if you're looking for me to come on the mic and say fire KLC is not going to happen, I'm going to criticize and I'm going to nitpick a lot of his choices and a lot of his choices that I believe have put this team in a position to lose games that they otherwise should have won. But what I'm not going to do is be crazy enough to say that a coach in his first 31 games who has gone 20 and 11, the fastest coach to get to 20 wins in Vikings history, that includes Bud Grant, that includes Dennis Green, should be fired. Listen, he's working with his fourth quarterback. Okay? The other thing that I said on Saturday's postgame show was it would have almost been better after Kirk Cousins went down if the Vikings just started losing big. Not so much from a tank, get a better draft pick standpoint, but from the standpoint of we'd be less disappointed in these close losses. These close losses for our sanity and for us thinking and how to evaluate this team is almost worse. If we had lost to the Broncos by like 21 points, we would say, okay, we don't have our starting quarterback. We don't have JJ. We got backups all over the place. We got Josh Dobbs, whatever. You would say, you throw up your hands and say, okay. If you lost to the Vegas Raiders by 7 to 10 points, you'd say, okay, same thing. The real issue from a fan standpoint, for me anyway, is we're losing these games close even with our fourth quarterback, even with missing Justin Jefferson for pretty near half the season, as we said. That's mind-boggling because you're just right there. You're so close even with this. Kevin O'Connell does deserve some credit for the fact that this team is 7-7 seven and seven, despite losing Kirk Cousins, despite not having Justin Jefferson, as well as not having Jordan Hicks, who was probably the heart and soul of the defense before he went down. So on one hand, we do need to give him some credit for that. How many other coaches? You go to any coach. Hey, you're 4-4, four and four, you're halfway through the season, and you just lost your starting quarter. If Andy Reid and the Chiefs were 4-4 four and four and they lose Patrick Mahomes, what is a reasonable expectations? Are you going to say that they're going to have the same expectations that they would with 
Patrick Mahomes. Am I saying Kirk Cousins is Patrick Mahomes? No, I just use one as a starting quarterback. Take any team in the NFL and you lose your starting quarterback, whether you have an elite quarterback or whether you have a mediocre quarterback or whether you have a bad quarterback. Now, if you have a bad quarterback, you don't have expectations to begin with. But look at the Bengals. Same record as us going into the game. Now they've got one more win. Okay. They've done a decent job without their starting quarterback. If the Bills lost Josh Allen, what would they be? So all I'm saying is this. He's held this thing together the best way he can. Now, does that mean that I'm not going to point out all of the things about this game on Saturday that I didn't like from Kevin O'Connell and how it mirrors a lot of the things that I haven't liked about him all season and, frankly, last season too? Oh, no. He's going to get his comeuppance in just a moment. But what I'm saying is, what were your expectations when we lost our two best players for points in time, one of which our quarterback who has gone for the year? Were your expectations that at this point of the season, we were four and four with Kirk Cousins and we're three and three since then? Were you expecting to go six and oh, five and one? Yeah, it's mind boggling because you could have won all six of those games and could be 10 and four right now. You could have. There was no game in this six game stretch that you didn't have an opportunity to win. But be that as it may, you still should have some reasonable expectations. Now, I say all that to say this, Kevin O'Connell, what the heck were you thinking? Now I get it. A quarterback sneak is a decent play on third and inches and fourth and inches. I don't have an issue. I, I know I came out hot on Saturday and said I didn't like the calls, but having cooled down and having looked at it again, okay, I don't mind a quarterback sneak. What I do mind And this will never change. I don't care how many times I look at this. I don't care the fact that Garrett Bradbury got blown up on the second, uh, on the fourth down play. You're going to try a quarterback sneak with the brotherly shove, the tush push business with the smallest guy on the field. And this ridiculous nonsense about, well, I wanted to stay in three wide receivers because I didn't want to, I wanted to catch the Bengals off guard and not allow them to substitute their big package defensively. What? That's a cop out. That's just total crap. You go with your best players for whatever play you're calling. You don't worry about what the other team's doing. You don't allow the other team to dictate to you what you want to do. So if you're at the goal line, at let's say the five-yard line, and you had your big package in because the play before you were on the one-yard line and you lost four yards, are you going to run a pass play on third and goal from the five? with three tight ends because that's what the personnel was that you had on in the previous play and you're trying to catch those guys off guard? No, you don't. You do your substitutions. And if you're going to run a quarterback sneak, and they had run a a couple of quarterback sneaks earlier in the game and they were successful with it. Now, I will say this, a quarterback sneak in the middle of the second or third quarter is a little different than it is in overtime. And yeah, you did get that nice swing pass to Ty Chandler down to the one-yard line because they thought you were going to run a quarterback sneak. So we got to give Kevin O'Connell praise for that too. But again, use Josh Oliver, use CJ Ham, bring in Ole Udo, bring in one of your backup offensive linemen to be the one to push Nick Mullins. And you use Brandon Powell. I weigh more than Brandon Powell does. Okay. Not as athletic, not as strong, can't squat as much, can't bench press as much, but we're talking about an NFL wide receiver who is five foot nine, 180 pounds soaking wet. And that was the guy 
you not once but twice tried to run the tush push with. If you were going to try to do that the first time with this ridiculous notion of catching them off guard, I don't buy it, but all right, I would accept it if the next time around you came in and did something different. You either run the tush push again with one of those guys I mentioned, CJ Ham, Josh Oliver, etc. Or here's an idea. You can fake the dive and then pitch it out to Ty Chandler because everybody is sucked into the middle, kind of like it was on that pass play to Chandler I mentioned just a moment ago. And you could do a toss play, and he's only got to outflank one guy. One guy. So even if he is five yards off the line of scrimmage, he's got to outflank one guy for five and a half yards. And guess what? He might have broken it off for a big gainer, maybe even a touchdown, because he's going to be one-on-one out in space. Fake the dive, toss it out, something. But to run the same play twice, with the same guy pushing him. I don't understand it. Is that the reason they lost the game? Per se, it's not the only reason they lost the game. Is it one of the plays and one of the play calls that I don't understand that contributed to it? Yes. Now, here's where I will say KOC deserves some criticism. The problem I have with KOC is he's even worse than Mike Zimmer was at keeping the game close. As I said, he has start, he has coached 31 games, 11-0 and last year, 6-7 and this year. 24 out of his 31 games, three out of four games are one possession games. You should have stepped on their throats. And this is not the first time you have had the new Orleans saints. You were up 27 to three and it still came down to one possession. Put a team away. He's the exact opposite of what he was last year. Mind you guys, what happened? What did we do all last year? First couple of drives. We'd have seven to 10 points on the board. Almost every single game, every single game. We would have seven to 10 points. We score a touchdown on the first possession or kick a field goal and then a touchdown on the second possession. Then we disappear for two and a half quarters until the fourth quarter came around. And what typically happened? We were in desperation mode and Kevin O'Connell was aggressive. Now, again, he could afford to be aggressive last year because he had Kirk Cousins. He doesn't have it right now. I understand that. But with that being said, don't wait until you're desperate to finally kick it up in the third gear or in the fifth gear, as they say. Be aggressive early, be aggressive often, and when you have the opportunity to put a team out of its misery, to remove all hope that they're going to stay in a ball game, do it. Last year, you were ultra aggressive when you needed to be. This year, you're ultra conservative. Pick a lane. Which one is it? Are you going to be aggressive or are you going to be conservative? And I get it. There are times where you don't want to be over aggressive. I understand that. I'm not saying be aggressive every single every single opportunity that you have but honestly put a team away mike zimmer was the king of it mike zimmer has been demoted to duke and kevin o'connell is now the king of one possession keep it close and hope you win in the end and it's unnecessary you didn't now again is it his fault that they've had as many turnovers some would say well that's on coaching i would say well that's kind of on the players for not hanging on to the ball or making bad passes that sort of thing But it's the systemic nature of these turnovers that concerns me with this head coach. It is the systemic and repeatable opportunities that have been lost. Last year, we can talk all we want about how great it was with all these fourth quarter comebacks and these one-score wins. As I've said, this past Saturday was the 52-week mark of that Indianapolis Colts come-from-behind victory. I was in the building with my daughter, a dear friend of mine who means the world to me, and her son. And it was the first game that her son and my daughter got to go. And at halftime, we're just like, why we bring him to this game? And then the rest is history. Every bit of luck that we got last year, well, it's coming back around this year. But I will still say, 
you can talk about a comeback all you want, but you put yourself in that big of a hole by not scoring any points. I remind people. Seven of those points came on a pick six in the Colts game, and seven of them came on a block punt touchdown. That defense actually wasn't that bad in the Colts game. When you're down 33 nothing at halftime, it, it, it kind of looks bad, obviously. But they had only given up 19 points, one touchdown, four field goals. And all I'm going to say is this, Kevin O'Connell, I don't understand it. And what I really don't understand, as I said, it's the same type of situations. You're putting yourself in a position. You're making itself more difficult for yourself. Now I'll say again. Do I think he should be fired? Absolutely not. That's crazy talk. But do I think he deserves a lot of criticism for kind of making the same mistakes repeatedly? Yes, I do. Does that mean I think that he should be on the hot seat going into next season? Absolutely not. He's on his fourth quarterback. So let's do a little give and take. What is really fair? It is absolutely fair to criticize. It is absolutely fair to question. Not necessarily that he went for quarterback sneaks, but just the thought process of using the wide receiver but there's been other times that jump pass by delvin cook last year against the detroit lions you're down seven it's you're going into halftime you could have tied up the score and as it turns out you're now down 21 to seven and a half because he wanted to hand the ball off to delvin cook and have him do a jump pass that's just dumb that's not bad execution that is a terrible play call even if it works kind of like when nick mullins threw that ball to jordan addison in the end zone that was a terrible pass the result of it being a touchdown does not change the fact that it was a dumb decision and he got lucky. So all I'm going to say about Kevin O'Connell to wrap this particular portion up, particular portion, he absolutely deserves criticism. He absolutely deserves to be like, what are you doing? But deserves to be fired? No. And I, and I get it. We all came out hot after that game because, once again, it was a game where we lost our third one since losing Kirk Cousins that we absolutely probably should have won had we not shot ourselves in the foot. But to say Kevin O'Connell needs to be fired, I'm sorry. I'm not listening to that. I'm not listening to that for now and probably not for the rest of the year. They could go 0-3, and and I'd say probably say the same thing, no matter how they lose. They could lose three close games again, and I'll still say, yeah, he does have some armor that he doesn't have Kirk Cousins and that he is now on his fourth quarterback. But I'm sorry. We we got a little too aggressive on Saturday for anybody. And I didn't say fire. I said it. I, I questioned him and I didn't like his calls, but I no way saying he should be fired. And I stand by that. There is nothing about this season that would even come remotely close to suggesting that Kevin O'Connell needs to be fired. If he loses the last four games, uh, last three games, he will then be 20 and 14 over his first two seasons. So no, <laughs> we're, we're not talking about replacing Kevin O'Connell. Now next year, We'll see how that goes. It's a whole new season at that point, and we'll reevaluate at that point. But no, I'm not firing Kevin O'Connell, and I'm not listening to it. Talk about playoffs. Playoffs. Yes, playoffs. The Minnesota Vikings, as I said earlier, have no margin for error to still win this division. They have to win all three games, and they have to hope that the Detroit Lions lose their last or their middle game against the Dallas Cowboys. Is it possible that we sweep them and the Cowboys beat them? Yes, it's possible. I wouldn't bet money on it. Because if you're gonna, if I'm gonna bet money on that, I better be getting like ten to one odds, okay? But I digress. So let's just assume, for the sake of conversation, that the division is not going to happen. You're still the sixth seed. You're not catching the Dallas Cowboys. Technically, you could end up with the same record if the Cowboys lose all three, but that's just not going to happen. Uh, that's just. I know the Cowboys just got destroyed yesterday by the Buffalo Bills, but they've got the Dolphins. Could they lose that? Sure. Then they got the Lions, but then they got the Washington Commanders in Week 18. So we're not catching the Cowboys for the fifth seed. So we're either going to be the third seed. Actually, technically, 
Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay. Here's the thing. Let's say we win all three of our games and Detroit does lose and we win the division at 10 and 7. Well, if Tampa Bay wins out, they'll be at 10 and 7, and we would actually fall to the four seed and have to play the Cowboys. <laughs> I really don't want to see that. <laughs> I don't want to see that at all. So let's just say for right now, we're playing for that six or seven wild card. Right now, the Rams are at seven and seven as well. You've got the Saints at seven and seven. You got the Seahawks at six and seven, and they're hanging tight with Philadelphia right now. But if you win two out of your next three and you get to nine outside of New Orleans and the Rams both going three and oh, which is highly unlikely considering that the Rams have the 49ers uh, the last week of the season and 49ers might still be trying to hold off Philly for that uh, number one seed. You only need to win two out of your next three. You should be able to beat Green Bay. So you just need to get one against the Lions. Now, is it possible that you could lose both games to the Lions but beat Green Bay and still get in as the seventh seed? Yes, you need a lot of things to go your way. So by and large, Regardless of how this roller coaster has taken us up and down and left and right and side to side and upside down and inside out, the Vikings can still make these playoffs. What they could do? Well, if you get Detroit, you could find a way playing them three out of four weeks. You could find a way to sneak out a victory. Maybe. I don't think it's going to go much further than that. But for right now, yeah, let's get this. Let's get this game this Sunday against the Lions. Let's ring in the new year with a victory over the Packers. Put them out of their misery, by the way. And then whatever happens the last week of Detroit is what happens. It could be a winner-take-all, and it could be just one of those deals where, yeah, both teams are in the playoffs, and whoever wins the game wins the division and hosts the other team the next week again anyway. That would be something. That would absolutely be something. And for anybody that wants to say fire KOC, if we win the last three, Detroit loses, and we win this division, for more than half of the season without Kirk Cousins, yeah, KLC deserves some flowers for that. Not saying he's above criticism or that he walks on water, but he absolutely would deserve some credit for that. But as far as what other teams we need to worry about, I don't think we're going to need to. I don't want to say we don't need to worry about the Packers because the second you say that, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. But again, the Rams are at best going to go two and one. They got the Saints. That's going to be a tough game for them. They got the Giants. That should be an easy win, but. The Packers said the same thing. And then, like I said, they got the 49ers. But the other team, the New Orleans Saints, that's the thing, though. You got the Saints and the Rams playing each other. So barring a tie, one's going to win and one's going to lose. But as far as the Saints go, then they've got two division games against the Buccaneers and the Falcons, who are still going to be playing for something, particularly the Bucs. So two and one, you again, you might be able to get in with one more win. But two more wins all but assures you a playoff spot. You would need 87 things to go against you if you won two out of the last three to not make the playoffs so it's all still right in front of us but as i said at the beginning there's no more margin for error there's no more margin of error for the division and there's very little margin of error for a wild card spot but again win two out of three and you're in win three out of three you're either winning the division or you're going to be the sixth seed and you're going to be playing the lions anyway if the lions somehow beat the cowboys even if we beat them this weekend and then they got nothing to play for yeah you can win Two out of the three could also lose all three of the games. So Kevin O'Connell, you and Brian Flores get back into the laboratory and figure out how you're not going to have these games where it's always close. Figure out a way to step on somebody's throat and be done with them and figure out a way to not have all of these dumb mistakes because these mistakes are what's been killing us all season. In summation, the Minnesota Vikings still have everything to play for. They can still get to the wild card and make these NFC playoffs. As I've said, you probably only need to win two out of the three. You might even be able to get away with one. But for now, let's just get these Lions tamed. And then let's ring in the new year with the Green Bay Packers. And we'll see where the chips are at that point. 
if Detroit does beat Dallas, they'll have nothing to play for. And if they don't, then it's a winner-take-all first weekend in January. Programming note, this evening, 6.05 Central Time on Vikings First and Skull is the real 4-0 show. Tomorrow at 8.15 Central Time on Purple and Gold for Days, it is Skull for Days Thursday's Talkers. And don't forget, Saturday, two old bloggers, 4 p.m. Central Time. One more time, if you haven't already hit the subscribe button on the YouTube pages of Vikings First and Skull, as well as me, Justin, on Purple and Gold for Days, please consider giving us the subscriptions and help us grow this Vikings community. Thank you kindly, as always, for joining me. And for now, Skull, to the next episode. You're listening to Purple and Gold for Days, a Vikings First and Skull production. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply this has been a vikings first and skull production Thanks for listening.